Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who would win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. Making her way through the jungle... Ahsoka Tano is steely-eyed focused on her mission at hand. The ruler of this land has made a pact with the Empire, and it is up to her to break that alliance so that the rebels may overtake this area. Stopping at the side of a tall, futuristic building, Tano finds an opening and ducks inside. There, she quickly makes her way to the throne room, where Killmonger is sitting comfortably as he is the current king of Wakanda. You must know that I am here because of who you ally your country with, Ahsoka explains. I don't give a single solitary cuss why you're here. Intruders must be dealt with, with extreme prejudice. Ahsoka readies her lightsaber as words alone are not going to win this fight. It's Togruta versus Wakanda. It's Snips versus Njadaka. It's Ahsoka Tano versus Killmonger. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Race to Canis. Now, just when you thought the epic battles couldn't get any more epic, the Who Would Win team brings you another even more epic battle that is truly the pinnacle of epicness. In one corner, you have Ahsoka Tano, a veteran of the Clone Wars, a member of the Rebellion, and a lightsaber user like no other versus Killmonger, Black Panther's nemesis that combines ruthlessness and genius battle tactics all wrapped in vibranium. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed, and I was so sure that someone somewhere had discussed this battle before but nothing. The only thing I came across that was even slightly close to this was Killmonger versus Kylo Ren. And no one came to an agreement on that one, even though we know Killmonger would win on that one. Anyway, all I'm trying to say is Legion of Audience, you're welcome. Because today we are bringing you another premier geek culture battle that has never been discussed before. You are so welcome. Ray, I got to find out what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I'm interested in this matchup because in a previous season, we did Darth Maul versus Black Panther which is a very similar battle to this one. And you know what? The Who Would Win show, we don't always like to just like redo the same matchup again, despite what James Gavsey wants. 
Muppets versus Sesame Street for the hundredth time. Anybody? It's the point I'm matchup. trying to make is we like to switch it up. We like to we like to mix things around. So therefore, instead of doing a rematch of an excellent battle, Darth Maul versus Black Panther, we're gonna flip it on its ear and do Ahsoka Tano versus Killmonger. And I think we got something here. I definitely do. Now, speaking of uh, having something here, uh, as many of the people of our fan base, Legion of Audience, know, I got back not too long ago from San Diego Comic-Con. It was a blast. And I got to meet so many new uh, and up-and-coming and established comic book companies and owners and creators of comic books. And I got pitched something over and over again. A lot of them said, hey, listen, don't you think it's about time for the Who Would Win show? To have its own comic book series. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, huh, that's a, that's a thought. So, Ray, I, I, I don't know. What do you think? What are your thoughts on, on the Who Would Win show having a comic book series? And what do you think our initial storyline should be? I mean, look, it's obvious that this is a thing that must happen. Now, I demand, much like Bret Hart, circa 1996, reasonable creative control over what happens in oh my this gosh. comic book. And I think that's the only reasonable thing to do. I think we do a comic book where I am, of course, the great hero. James Gavsey is the lying, villainous, scoundrel enemy of, of, of all that is good, of all the hashtag awkward allies and all the rainiacs out there and everybody with goodness in their heart. And of course, I defeat James Gavsey issue after issue after issue, much in the same way uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan would defeat the Brooklyn Brawler on my television set back in 1987. So you're saying I don't even rank as high as, say, a Skeletor from the 1980s He-Man series? You might get as high as Leapin' Lanny Poffo, a.k.a. The Genius. You'll get to say something before the match and then land no offensive moves whatsoever. At least he has a win over uh, Hulk Hogan, so that's not bad. Look, he does have here's that. that's true. He, here's the deal. I think what happened was they looked up the Who Would Win show. They saw that we had a pretty good social media presence. They, you know, saw that you and I are kind of like geek culture connoisseurs, and they were like, "Oh my god, if we do a Who Would Win show comic book, they'll help. They'll jump in and they'll just propel it to greatness and what have you." And they're not wrong. We could totally do it. But here's the deal, Ray. I just think what you're talking about has been done a lot in the 1960s and 70s. Time has moved on. We need a little bit more of a contemporary storyline. I don't know. Just thinking off the top of my head. You know, I come from a distant planet as a child. That was, you know, the planet unfortunately got destroyed. And then I land on planet Earth with wondrous powers in, you know, Timmins, Ontario. It's a farming community. And I grew up with, like, some great Canadian values. I go to Toronto and work for a newspaper. And all of a sudden, this horrible industrialist with no hair whatsoever who drinks way too much Pepsi Max starts declaring himself the ruler of the world and I have to go and stop him and, you know, rinse and repeat. I think that's just more of a contemporary storyline and it's very fresh. It's something that people aren't used to. Now, with that being said, we'll see where this all goes. But more importantly, we have a judge on today who is a fan favorite. It is someone who the Who Would Win Show calls family. So without further ado, making another appearance on the Who Would Win Show is producer, writer, voice actor, personality, most likely judge of the year for the Who Would Win Show, by the way. It's Crystal Storm. Crystal, welcome back to Who Would Win. What up? Uh, by the way, that comic would be dope if I was in it. Just let you know. So if you when you do the Who Would Win comic strip, just make sure that I'm in it and it'll obviously sell. I mean, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Which storyline did you prefer? Ray's pedestrian 1980s storyline or my Mm -hmm. very contemporary uh, Mm -hmm. storyline that's actually in a comic uh, cartoon series on HBO or Max right now? Actually, what you really need is a storyline where like these epic judges come in Mm. and they kind of have their own thing. Because, I mean, you guys like you're the staples, like you're always here. Everybody knows you. You know, people are probably kind of bored. But it's really the judges who like elevate 
you know, who would win. So that's really where the comic book would need to center. Let's just be real. Wow. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, I hate to say it. I think I'm on race side with this one. I'm not sure I agree with that. All right. Listen, we'll talk about that <laughs> later. More importantly, tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, what you've been up to. Yeah, that a legion of audience. When you are done listening to this amazing Who Would Win show, you should head over to talesoftheforgotten.com and check out our audio dramas. Uh, considering tonight's matchup, you should definitely listen to Legacy first. There's 21 episodes of a Star Wars audio drama for you to binge because you go. who doesn't like binging? Like, yeah, do that. And then you can listen to all the other ones. So that's, that's what I've been up to, just writing and directing and all that kind of stuff. And being here to hang out with you guys. You know, My favorite two I've, people. I've heard the best thing about Legacy, a Star Wars uh, audio drama, is mm-hmm. the character of Jorgen. Eric Jorgen, mm-hmm. I heard, carries mm-hmm. the entire project, as some reviews go. have said. Do you have a comment on that? Yeah, uh, every time I run a poll, I, the fans are mad at me that um, Eric Jorgen isn't dead by like episode two, <laughs> just to let everybody know. See that? Strong what, feelings. No as, as it was yeah. said in the movie I mean, Rounders, Crystal Storm, you can mm-hmm. shear a sheet many times, but skin mm-hmm. it only once. Ray's why we can't have nice things, Crystal. Ray is absolutely <laughs> why we can't have nice things. It really, it's, it's true. It's true. Okay, well, all right. Uh, anyway. What are you doing tonight, guys? Let's go. I love it. Crystal, you're so awesome. I've said this before that your middle name is should be The. That's it. You're Crystal The Storm. I I love that. It's it's just what I'm saying. All right, listen. We have an epic judge in Crystal The Storm. We have an epic battle with Ahsoka Tano versus Killmonger. Two people, two characters, by the way, who I absolutely adore for different reasons. And Mm -hmm. we have Ray and myself here as well. So with all that being said, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Star Wars, the rebel hero who was sadly too tall to join the other Oompa Loompas at the Wonka factory, Ahsoka Tano. And representing Marvel Comics, the mercenary whose life revolves around a scar more than the Lion King, Killmonger. I feel the intro for both characters were, were was it was not actually equal in terms of severity and significance. <laughs> Feels felt very equal to me. I don't know what you're talking about. Just putting that out there. Truthful. All right, um, air quotes again. Well done, Ray. Now before I we- would like Rosario Dawson, by the way, to hear this and have words with Ray about Ray comparing Ahsoka to a Oompa Loompa. Oh I'm my god! Put that out into the universe. Crystal, mutual virtual face bomb happening right now. Is that what's going on? Mm-hmm. Got mm-hmm. it. Got it. Minus, minus like two points off the bat. Oh, oh. You guys were like dead center and already like Ray's just like digging holes for himself. Uh, I mean, something he does. I just All want right. a five star review. You just go on there and say hashtag Ray was right. Hashtag Oompa Loompa. Somebody get on that. <laughs> I just, I you know, I don't know what to do once we get canceled, but I know it's I, been coming. <laughs> it's been coming for years. We've been yeah. avoiding it. I'm dodging it. It's it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We'll figure it out. This is going to be it. This it's, is going to be this, it. This is, it's today's the day. All right. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win show. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, there's some really amazing versions of Killmonger out there. What version are you using today? I'm throwing a little bit of a curveball today because I started my research into the comic book version and found out he was extremely underutilized 
and uh, really not with the best storylines in comics, but I do know where I could find a really good one, and that's the MCU version of Killmonger. He had one movie, basically, and he made it work for him. So we're going with MCU's Killmonger in this episode in an upset. That's interesting. I actually, as much as I love Thanos, I actually think Killmonger's a better villain overall, but that's just my opinion. All right, listen, there's only one version of Ahsoka Tano you can go with. That is the absolute main version from the Clone Wars, from the upcoming Ahsoka uh, series that's coming out. She's amazing. Live action, animated, doesn't matter because it's all the same character. That's how awesome she is. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons. They're a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whomever the judge. That's you, Crystal. Decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battle battlefield removal and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules for established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to leave the Who Would Win Show a five-star rating and a fantastic written review wherever you download and listen to podcasts. Hashtag Ray is right. Hashtag Oompa Loompa. Abandoned carts, rejected payments, spotty support. If you're selling online and something just isn't working, you deserve an upgrade. It's time for Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or you're IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling satin sheets from Shopify's in-person POS system or offering organic olive oil on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers into buyers. One of the things I love about Shopify is that there's no limit to how big you could potentially grow, right? No matter how big you think you can get, you can always get bigger because Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business and then take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash www. Go to shopify.com slash www to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash WWW. And now let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Killmonger. Eric Killmonger is a mercenary with a deep resentment of his native country of Wakanda. He first appeared in Jungle Action number six, unfortunately, back in 1973. He was created by Don McGregor and Rich Buckler. The MCU version first appeared in the movie Black Panther in 2018 and was played, of course, by Michael B. Jordan. Raised in Oakland, California by his royal father, who was killed for betraying Wakanda, Eric Killmonger immediately took on a revenge quest to make those who did it pay. He trained up his mind at MIT and his body in the Navy, where his combat skills earned him respect. Once he felt he was ready, Killmonger returned to Wakanda, taking the throne from Black Panther in ritual combat. It's kind of a great movie, y'all. Probably go see it if you haven't already. Or just go see it again. 
Fun fact, Michael B. Jordan was unbelievably amazing as Killmonger in the Black Panther movie. I'm a big fan of his role. He brought a toughness and an underdog mentality that was just undeniably perfect for the character. But were you aware that Jordan was originally looked at for a different role in the MCU first? That's right. Human Torch and the Fantastic Four debacle aside, we don't talk about that. Michael B. Jordan first read for the part of... Falcon in the Winter Soldier movie. Now, he would have been amazing there too, but I'm glad things landed the way that they did. And I got a fun fact number two. Chadwick Boseman originally read for the part of, not Black Panther, but Drax the Destroyer. And he lost out to Dave Batista. Mostly unrelated, but I thought that was unbelievably wild. Anyways, that is Killmonger. I love that uh, the the casting mm-hmm. stories of like, hey, this person was there. What's his name who plays Loki? Actually, first uh, audition for the role of Thor. I mean, it was just yeah. All, and and the cool part is all great characters, all great actors. That's why you got love. Casting the MCU. director knew what they were doing. All they day. absolutely did. So cool. Yeah. All right, now here are the details for Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka Tano first appeared in Star Wars: The Clone Wars back in two thousand eight, and was created by George Lucas and Dave Filoni. Jedi Master Plo Koon found Ahsoka on the Togruta homeworld while he was on a mission, sensing that the then three-year-old Togruta native was Force-sensitive. He brought Ahsoka back to the Jedi Temple, where she trained as a youngling. When she turned 14, she was granted the rank of Padawan and became the apprentice to Anakin Skywalker. For years, she was on the front lines of battle and accompanied Anakin and Obi-Wan Kenobi on some of the most important missions during the Clone Wars. She learned through first-hand experience to become a very prominent Jedi of the Order. However, Ahsoka is then framed in prison for a deadly explosion and subsequent murder. Although eventually exonerated, she becomes disillusioned with the Jedi Council and leaves the Jedi Order. Going forth on her own path, Ahsoka survived Order 66 and became an active part of the Rebellion. After the fall of the Empire, it is revealed that Ahsoka is, for some reason, now searching for Grand Admiral Thrawn, which is, I think, where we begin the whole Ahsoka series that's about to happen on Disney+. And here's an interesting fact about Ahsoka Tano. Did you know that the live-action Ahsoka Tano series has a direct link to Bruce Lee? It's true. In the episode of the Mandalorian series where Ahsoka Tano first appears, we see her in a battle with an opponent known as the Magistrate who fights Ahsoka using a staff made out of Beskar. And her insane weapons and combat skills are not just a coincidence. The actor who brilliantly plays this character is Diana Lee Inosanto. And why should that name be of interest? Because she's a lifetime martial artist, daughter of martial arts icon Dan Inosanto, who many consider the protege of Bruce Lee, who carried on his philosophy of Jeet Kune Do. And to make things even better, this person is actually officially... Has Bruce, I should say, this person, Diana Lee Anasanto, has Bruce Lee as her godfather. That is insane. Ahsoka Tano has a win over Bruce Lee's goddaughter. I'm just saying that's pretty crazy. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Crystal, do you have any questions before we get started? I'm assuming that you are using the oldest version of Ahsoka for this battle. I will be using the oldest version, but I will touch on feats that she's done since she was like 14, just to kind of demonstrate the overall awesomeness that is Ahsoka Tano. To talk about Ahsoka Tano and not mention the Clone Wars, I think, would be derelict of duty. Absolutely, but there's a big difference between 14-year-old Ahsoka and current Not Ahsoka. really. N- a big difference. Not really. Oh, okay. Race to Canis. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, if you have no questions, let's go ahead and get this party started. Ray, hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Eric Killmonger. I just want to talk about what an exceptional fighter he is and sort of his background coming up, right? Because he found his dead father 
right? That is a rough place for anyone to be emotionally, mentally. A lot of people would have that happen to them, especially if they were royalty from another country and they could just shut down and go down a dark path. It could be argued that he did in fact go down a dark path, but at least it was one with progression to it that got him somewhere in this world and just didn't leave him, you know, a quivering mass on the side of the road. His revenge quest is really what fuels him. Everything that he does, he drives himself, his focus, his determination. You know, he has all of this internal strength that comes from wanting revenge on the people who uh, did this to him, basically. Let's not forget, he has over 100 scars on his body, and that is from killing human beings. He gives himself a scar, much like Victor Zaz of Batman fame, gives himself a scar every single time he takes a life, and you've seen him with his shirt off. It's like pop, pop pop that wonderful chest but also all those scars on top of it look michael b jordan beautiful man the point i'm trying to make here beautiful is that he was started by training his mind as i said before he went to mit uh he's actually have a genius intellect you know at the end of the day this could have been tony stark if if he had gone in a slightly different direction and maybe had been bought into i'll say it bought into the sciences like tony stark was right However, he didn't have the, that path, so he went and became a Navy SEAL instead. Now, Navy SEALs are some of the best trained combatants in the entire world. I don't think that that is something that is uh, understated, right? In order to just be considered for the Navy SEALs, you have to swim 500 yards in breast or side stroke in a minimum of 12 minutes and 30 seconds. That is five football fields of swimming in the time it takes to watch an episode of Bluey. That's an absolute outrage. You have to do a ton of push-ups and sit-ups. And then once you're and once you're in there, then you gotta swim a thousand meters, 20 minutes or less. You have to do 20 push-ups in a minute, 60 curl-ups in a minute, pull-ups, four-mile run in 31 minutes or less. You have a, an absolutely dynamic, ridiculous body. And this is before we talk about the additions to his body that come later. We'll talk about that in point number two. This is a guy who just, he was a ghost squad for assassinations in foreign countries. So when it comes to killing, when it comes to getting the job done, he, he was excellent at it. They called him Killmonger for gosh sakes. And that's the, the scary ghost people who are calling him Killmonger. When you scare the ghost people in the assassination squad, you're really doing something wild out there. So he is a no-nonsense killer. He doesn't, quote-unquote, play with his food. This is a guy who's going to try to get the end result as quickly as possible and not mess around with it. And let's not forget, as far as great fighting goes... After he became the Prince of Wakanda, Killmonger actually received acrobatic fighting training used by the Black Panthers. So he took the training he learned in war and his own personal training and then mixed that with literal Black Panther training. And, and he didn't even have that when he defeated uh, T'Challa in one-on-one -on -one combat when both of them were depowered, right? He took him out on that waterfall and would have killed him if not for outside interference. That win cannot be underestimated. You defeat Black Panther in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Black Panther, well considered, one of the top 10 overall fighters in all of Marvel Comics. I don't think that's a stretch. He's usually somewhere in the middle of that list, honestly. And the other thing I'll mention, he fought for Dora Milaje, including Okoye, uh, there in that final battle in the Black Panther movie. And only three of them were alive at the end of it. He realized right away, I'm going to take one of these people out. And Okoye is considered the best fighter in the Dora Milaje. And she had two other Dora Milaje with her. And there was nothing they could do to stop him. So at the end of the day, on pure fighting ability alone, before we even talk about powers and tech, 
Killmonger's got this, and that's my point number one. Again, there's a reason why I love this character. And, you know, again, I, I really think this is someone who should be considered the best villain in the MCU, at least so far. Thanos had an army and every, I, you know, I shouldn't talk about how great Killmonger is, but he's just so great. Okay. A couple things I got to push back on. 100 scars, that's impressive. Don't get me wrong. But these are against Earth-based opponents. And he often uses the element of surprise. And this is where he gets to plan everything. This is really where he's masterful. Is he a great fighter? Sure. Is he got, has he got great combat skills? Sure. But he's really a master planner. So when he has time to make a plan and set things in motion, and kind of catch people by surprise, that's when he really excels. None of those conditions apply in a who would win battle, a random encounter with no you know, preparation, no knowledge of uh, prior knowledge of the opponent you're facing. On top of that, he's used to fading Earth, used to fighting Earth-based opponents, even Black Panther, and that's cool. It, it's kind of limited compared to the experience of Ahsoka Tano because she's going around the galaxy fighting everything and anything, literally. So in terms of experience, eh, great, but not quite what Ahsoka Tano has. And then finally, you know, some extra training he got that was very over a short period of time. Didn't help him, unfortunately. He still died in the end. So, you know, spoiler alert. And uh, the Dormilogy, they're awesome, but they are limited. We saw that in the uh, Wakanda Forever movie where someone with, you know, some uh, different tactics can can take them out. I hate to say because I love the uh, Dormilogy as well. All right, let me get to my point number one for Sokotano. I just want to talk about, for my point number one, her combat experience. So what do you get when you take a Force-sensitive three-year-old girl, train her in a Jedi temple till she's, what, 14, make her one of the greatest lightsaber masters ever because she uses two at a time, and then put her in a position of leadership with one of the greatest armies in all of sci-fi. By the time she's 17, you get the badassery that is Ahsoka Tano. Now, what makes her really interesting is, again, this is an unheard amount of combat experience in every way you can think possible and leadership experience by the time she's 17, like she was at the end of the Clone Wars. In terms of lightsaber skills, she's mastered five different styles of lightsaber you know, skills to such a degree that she created her own style. This is, again, mimicking what Bruce Lee did when he created his own fighting philosophy, not even style, but philosophy of Jeet Kune Do. She takes whatever element of a style that works for her and incorporates it and just masters it and brings it to a new, whole new level. She was able to overcome opponents who are physically much more powerful than she was all the freaking time. For example, there's these uh, bounty hunters we saw in The Empire Strikes Back. They're called uh, Trandoshans. They look almost like like uh, beige lizard people. Uh, really, really powerful. These things are huge. They're big. They kind of take on Wookiees all the time. They're kind of the equivalent to Wookiees. And she took on a group of them and overcame them all, even though she wasn't physically as powerful as she was, as they were. Just something she did, and she did it easily. And another amazing combat feat, and this was in Star Wars Rebels, she was able to disarm an expert lightsaber user uh, this is one of the Inquisitors, I should say. And she did that. She disarmed them with her eyes closed, just using her bare hands to kind of anticipate where he was going. The Inquisitors, by the way, were a group of four sensitive beings. Sometimes Jedi turned the dark side. We saw that. Were created, recruited by the Galactic Empire and then trained by Darth Vader himself to hunt down the Jedi who survived Order 66. And that's who Ahsoka disarmed with her eyes closed. By the way, she then went on to defeat two of them at the same time because that's what she does. When she was surrounded by four members of the Mandalorian Death Watch. These are badass Mandalorians with weapons and crazy stuff, jetpacks, the whole thing. She's able to use her own like big double lightsaber swing in her own style, and she beheaded all of them in less than a second because that's what she does. She's really cool. She fights on the side of the ju on justice, but man, when it's time to behead your opponents in a battle, she's not going to hesitate. She will absolutely go there. Look, at age 14, she takes out these three uh, droids. They're called Magna Guards, and these are insanely skilled droids with great strength and speed. Uh, they're known as Jedi Killers, and the very rookie Ahsoka at the time, she's about 14, takes out three of them while protecting a baby hut at the same time. It's really, really cool. Also, at age 14, she fights 
fights General Grievous to a draw. And during that fight, this is so cool, she made Grievous cut off his own hand with his lightsaber. She took the whole, hey, stop hitting yourself bit and took it to another level. That's what she did at 14 years old. That's some James Gavsey level badassery we're talking about now. And none of this includes the major battle campaigns where she had to personally take out hordes of droids to turn the tide of battle. How many droids, you may be asking yourself, did she actually take out herself, by herself? Well, according to the experts, she's personally responsible by herself with no one else helping her for taking out over 1 million droids. Yes, she took out over a million droids and not just the regular Roger Roger type of droids we saw, but no, this includes the assassin droids, the magna guards, the, 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 the magna droids, the droids with the shields, all the other. To put that in perspective, this is crazy. Mace Windu at the end of the Clone Wars, I think it was in season seven, I should say, he makes a statement to this army of droids. He says, hey, I'm Mace Windu. I've personally taken out over 100,000 of you. Let's kind of all stand down. We can talk about this. And of course, he then has to fight them all. Mace Windu took over out uh, over 100,000. Ahsoka took out officially over a million by herself. That is crazy. And Ahsoka's ability to outthink opponents, come up with brilliant strategies. That's all noticed, by the way. Now, Admiral Thrawn, who we're going to see in the Ahsoka series, back in the, I think it was uh, Series 7, I think it was probably in Rebels somewhere, in that timeline, he's starting to make comments about Ahsoka's you know, strategies and tactics. Why is this important? Because Admiral Thrawn is known as the king of tactics and strategies. That's why he's part of the Empire. That's why he survived the Empire and the whole rebellion taking it down. He's still out there. And he was the one who commented on how good Ahsoka Tano's tactics are. They were so good that he's like, you know what? I'm going to take note of that because I think I can use that as well in my own tactics. Look, this is how great she is. And we haven't talked about her using the force yet. All of that is my point number one. And this is all excellent. Look, Ahsoka Tano is an excellent character. She's a lot of fun. I enjoyed her in Clone Wars. I enjoyed her in the uh, live action stuff that we've seen. Rosario Dawson, a very underrated actor. Uh, I'll go ahead and just say it. She's very, very, very good. One thing I will say about Ahsoka Tano is she gets suckered a lot. She gets tricked a lot in her own stories. Let's face facts. She was rolling with Anakin Skywalker for an extended period of time and was shocked that that guy went bad. Like, what are we even talking about right now? I think every, all the entire Jedi Council could see that guy was no good. And there's like two people couldn't see it. And unfortunately, Ahsoka Tano was definitely one of them, even as things were going wrong all around her. Now, you did talk a little bit about uh, uh, Earth-based characters that Killmongers fought. Remember in the MCU, he did fight and kill uh, Ulysses Claw, delivering him to Wakanda. He does have a supernatural power with the arm and the super blasting that he does that can like blow out cars and stuff. So, I mean, it's not like he just fought that. We'll get into a little bit more with that. What I was going to say, who gets caught by surprise more than Ahsoka Tano? In researching this, I've yet to find a character in fiction who gets caught off guard and by surprise by people around here more than Ahsoka Tano. And if there's one guy who I know can disarm you with his words and actions and make you look left while he punches right, that is Eric Killmonger. So Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi and Mace Windu couldn't see through what was happening with Anakin and you're saying that Ahsoka's a dumbass. What do you mean? Yoda's the one that said, don't train this boy. What do you mean he couldn't see through it? He saw it as a child. And don't train he, this boy. And then boy. he entrusted him to like look after, like to kind of spy on, uh, on uh, what's his name, uh, Emperor Palpatine. All right, listen, this is all well and good. Crystal, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? <laughs> I'm very interested to see how Ahsoka's going to match up against Killmonger in the Black Panther suit. That's kind of, I'm more excited for points number two and number three. As far as like battle-wise right now, I give Ahsoka a little bit of an edge here because she typically is taking down larger, bigger opponents than herself. I mean, that's literally, I mean, she's got to. That's literally what she does her entire career. 
So if we're talking just like base level Killmonger, I don't think she's going to have a problem. How this Black Panther suit is going to factor in is what's really interesting to me. So I'm looking forward to the next couple of points. All I took from that is that Ahsoka Tano's ahead. This battle's going exactly according to my plans. All right, Ray, hit us for your point number two. Point number two, I got a little potpourri here. We'll just call it general powers and things he's done. Let's open up by talking about the weapons. You know, one thing James tells me a lot in these Star Wars episodes is that uh, ammunition-based weapons are a lot more dangerous in the Star Wars universe than blaster weapons are because they shoot faster and harder. Well, good news for Killmonger, he's not bringing laser beams to this fight. He's bringing pistols, assault rifles, explosives. He's bringing all kinds of modern warfare-style weapons to the table, which is something that Ahsoka Tano should have trouble with in general. I could see her, you know, using her lightsaber to, like, knock one light beam out of the way from a blaster, but how is she going to deal with with a machine gun shooting that many bullets at her at a relatively close range from a master marksman like Killmonger. I think she's going to have a lot of trouble because that's not an attack she's used to fighting against in her day-to-day world. Whereas Megaswords, not something Killmonger is unfamiliar with, he's going to know right away that those lightsabers are not to be trifled with and work around them, if they even matter given his armor we'll talk about later. Another thing I want to mention here is... um, Also canon to the Killmonger character is the What If animated series that came out. Now, this just talks about the potential of Killmonger if his circumstances were different. It's the same character, even if you're not considering these things quote-unquote official canon, they're definitely worth mentioning, because in episode six, they asked the question that I kind of asked earlier, which is what happens if Killmonger rescued uh, Tony Stark from the desert and was brought up with Tony Stark's influence and money, he becomes better than Tony Stark, basically. He ends up killing Black Panther Panther, killing Tony Stark, killing a uh, Rhodes war machine and taking over uh, these like uh, drone things on himself and then absolutely goes to Wakanda and ravages the place, taking over for himself. That's the key. Killmonger, the only reason Killmonger didn't take over the world is because he started at such a relative low point and had to earn his way through every single step and it just took him too long in order to get there. If he had started at Tony Stark's level, this is a guy who would have taken over the world three times over like Doctor Doom. And in episode nine, lest we forget again, they cut to an alternate version of... uh, of Killmonger, who has, again, ravaged Wakanda on his own before eventually getting all the Infinity Gems, getting Ultron's armor, and getting this Ultron armor around himself and fighting against the Watcher, who is a pretty ridiculous character in himself, and Sorcerer Supreme, Doctor Strange. So he has fought Earth-based characters in general, or at least has the potential to hold his own against them. We have seen it. Now, as far as the powers go, he took the herb. We all know the herb, right? It took three Dora Milaje with electric spears on his shoulders trying to hold him down. And he just blasted them all. He just raffle stomped all three of them at the same time. And why were there three? Because he'd already killed the fourth one. He's also very agile because all of his stats are higher. Ahsoka Tano needs to use the force to achieve the level that Killmonger brings to the table after getting the herb, right? So he's jumped over discs. He flew through the air like 20 feet like a panther. This is a guy who can go toe-to-toe with Black Panther in his outfit and at full power and can go toe-to-toe against him. And if it wasn't for sort of the train uh, dichotomy thrown into it, probably would have won that fight as well. He could also jump extremely high in the air. A lot of Jedi can do that. So what I'm saying is at a baseline after taking the herb, 
Killmonger has all the basic powers of an enhanced Jedi using the Force to up their powers. I didn't see anything Luke Skywalker did physically that Killmonger doesn't do naturally and doesn't have to tap into a mystical force in order to do it. So physically, he is more than a match for Ahsoka Tano and will get it done. That's my point number two. Again, you know, I love the What If series from Disney+. Plus. It's one of my favorite uh, of the uh, Marvel TV series, to be quite frank. Now, here's the deal. Yeah, he does use ammunition. He's great with that. And any type of Earth-based, you know, military-grade weapon you put in his hands, he's going to be deadly with it. But here's the thing. Not to ruin this for you, Ray, but we all know where we're going with this. He's going to be wearing the vibranium suit. And what? guess what he doesn't have? Yeah, I know. I mean, if he does. I'm just you saying if he does. You put it on the table, James. I'm just saying if he does, you know what he doesn't have? Guns grenades, all that kind of stuff. But even if he did, which he won't, the thing, because he doesn't carry it with his vibranium suit, the thing is, this is stuff that Ahsoka Tano has dealt with a million times. Remember, she's, what, 17, 14 to 17. She's in a intergalactic war with everything you can think of. Any type of ballistic weapon that can be in Star Wars has been shot at her, never mind lasers, never time weapon, whatever you think that could, you could do. She's already dealt with it and taken it all by the time she's 17. By the way, we're talking about the adult Ahsoka Tona in, in this, uh, this battle. Now, in terms of the What If series, uh, again, loved it, but here is the thing. We also saw Captain Carter, which is where instead of Steve Rogers taking the, the you know superhero serum, she took it instead these are remember the marvel universe the mcu operates within the multiverse so these what if stories are you know very similar almost like clone characters what have you but they're not the mcu proper characters right we're talking about killmonger who instead of making the choices to go see tony stark which would have been really cool instead took down another another path and died at the end that's who we're talking about right then and there uh and finally i guess the best way to kind of say this is that killmonger i'd say has the equivalent to like say captain America level physicals. Uh, you know, we saw that in that iconic scene when um, in Avengers uh, Infinity War, where Captain America and T'Challa are, are running towards the force field that they had to open. So the aliens come so they had one front to fight and they're outrunning everybody and they're kind of like neck and neck running towards them. So I'd say he's got equivalent to Captain America level physicals, which by the way is fantastic. All right. Now let me get to my point number two. And for my point number two, it's really, let's just talk, say what it is. It's all about the force. Now I have a major prediction about Ahsoka and this is kind of crazy. I said this before, I got to say it again. I think somewhere in the future, Soka is going to be revealed to be the first ever gray Jedi. It's been all over the internet. Lucasfilm has not said this is an actual thing, but I definitely think she's going to be a gray, gray Jedi. Why? The thing is, unlike a Jedi or Sith, Ahsoka tries to understand the Force as a whole, as opposed to only learning the ways of one side. And, and you know, as a result, she's not limited to the powers or abilities that are either specifically Sith or Jedi. Oh, no, she can actually do the abilities of both, or rather all sides of the Force, and she's demonstrated this, too. It's really cool. So what can she do with the Force? Well, she can move at super speed. She can dodge blaster fire, even outrun pod racers if she focuses the Force through her body. And one really cool episode of the Clone Wars. I think she was, what, 16 at the time? There's this underwater droid who's designed to move at super speed underwater and she's outdistancing this underwater droid who can move at super speed. It's crazy. She can move, like, I guess Spider-Man-like agility. Look, as agile as Killmonger is, especially with the serum, she he just doesn't have the agility and that kind of really crazy dexterity that we see Ahsoka Tana do all the time as a teenager, never mind as an 
adult. She's force sensitive. She can actually has these really cool, almost like a precog type of ability where she can tell something's up or something's about to come at her or something's not quite right and react to it. Uh, she's got these superhuman reflexes. She can take superhuman amounts of damage. Now, she uses the force to kind of fortify her own body. She can take everything from stun blasts, being thrown through walls, following several stories from her building to the ground, and she's even tanked explosions. This is crazy. She can use the force to create telekinesis, to move massive objects, blast powerful opponents back through the air to make them go crashing into or through walls. One of my favorite scenes is when she holds someone up in the air and just starts crushing them because that's what she can do. She can force jump super high and super far. She can channel the force through her body to increase the damage you know she inflicts with her strikes. So she, she can charge up her punching and her kicking, her elbows, whatever, to absolutely destroy droids, walls, buildings, whatever's in front of her. She can crush that with superpower. She can force choke people. And here's my favorite, using force lightning, typically only seen with the most powerful Sith Lord. She can actually use force lightning. Crazy. But we're not done. She's got something common with Daredevil. So her people have this echo location land or sensory thing in their head where up to about 25 meters, they can sense everything around her. That's one of the reasons she's so good at dodging things. She kind of mimics like Daredevil and uses that echo location. And with the force, she can actually expand that out. So nothing's going to catch her by surprise or get the drop on her because she's that good when she really focuses on using that. And then finally, she can use the force to heal herself. So she gets hit with poison, blast of fire, physical damage from Big Ball, whatever. She can use the force to heal herself. In fact, she's so powerful with the force. Not only can she heal herself, she can heal or she can actually transmute the properties of objects. How do I know this? So when she fought an Inquisitor, and this is during Rebels, this Inquisitor had an impure kyber crystal that was in his lightsaber and Ahsoka used the force to heal or purify the crystals and then took them and used it in her own white lightsaber. It's really cool. And so she can kind of transmute the properties such as kyber crystals or take apart weapons or disrupt the weapons from the internal side. Look, I'm not saying she's taking apart vibranium, but she can absolutely make anything that's kind of like, you know, a weapon with moving parts or whatever, or electric electricity based stuff. She can absolutely interrupt that. She is that good. She's an upper tier, upper tier ability, uh, has an upper tier ability to use the force. And this is going to make a huge, huge dent in this battle. All of that is my point number two. I don't know if we watched the same movie when you can say that Killmonger didn't display great feats of agility. This is a guy who was jumping and twisting and spinning all throughout an entire movie like he was Barishnikov in 1987's Russian Ballet. This guy's got moves like a panther, diving, jumping, spin. What do you mean he doesn't have the same agility? He is a character of pure agility. Uh, also, her force powers. I did look into this because I knew that she was force sensitive. You know, the big ones that I saw her use were a force jump, which lets her jump roughly the equivalent, again, of what Killmonger can do when he has the abilities. She uses force push a lot. Like, that's her big go-to. And, of course, force lightning, she gets it a little bit. You know, she's used it a little bit. It's not her go-to move, but she knows it. But force push is the one I want to focus on because what happens when you force push? You're creating a whole bunch of energy that shoves somebody in a kinetic field backwards. What happens when the Black Panther suit, we'll talk about it in a sec gets hit with kinetic energy it absorbs that power doesn't it and then shoots it back at its user she's not going to be used to that she knows he's not force attuned the thing i really want to talk about here though is she's been defeated a lot ahsoka tano in the clone wars series alone was knocked unconscious you know how many times james gavsey 
16 times over the course of the Clone Wars series alone at a young age. Six times she was electrocuted to knockout. Six times she was hit in the head. One time she was bit by a dark side being. One time she had her life force sucked out. One time she was KO'd by hypothermia on a freezing ship. And one time she got the blue shadow virus, which knocked her unconscious. That's a lot of brain damage in a character, especially at a young age. You get 16 concussions. 16 knockouts, it means you're exceptionally likely to take one small hit on the head and go down for the count. Once again, a lot of these were due to the fact that she made mistakes with people she shouldn't have made mistakes with, but also it shows her durability is a problem. As a teenager, luckily she's in her, what, 30s now? But we'll figure that out. if you have 16 concussions between the ages of 14 and 17, and let's talk about that for a sec, because child soldiers are against the Geneva Convention, but the rebels don't care about that. Gross. Uh, I will say, often you have that many concussions in a short window like that, you don't live to see 20. So she's got to be walking around punch drunk at this point. You're talking to me. The guy has been boxing for decades, been doing MMA forever, kickboxing, about concu- played football, about concussions. James, you're I talking had that to many me about 14 it. and 17. Here's I can't the deal. believe I Here lived is to the see deal. 25. Here is the, I know, we're all, we're all disappointed. Here's the deal. <laughs> Here's the deal. This is Star Wars. It's the Force. Things are different. That's all I'm going to say about that. We are, because yeah, we are now at the Took a force to the back point. of the head six times and got knocked unconscious. I, uh, was it with a chair? We'll see. Force now, didn't keep her awake there, did it? At, at 14. How dare wow. she at 14? All right, listen. We are at the turning point. We're after hearing two points from Ray and myself. Crystal tells us who's ahead and what the other side has to do win. But before we get to what Crystal has to say, let's celebrate the Hoodwin patron of the week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Hoodwin Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today, the patron that we are going with, we're going to go back to Michael W. Michael W., today is your day. Michael W. Okay, Michael W., you get a special opponent, someone that Ray has no, no knowledge about, no idea who even this is. Let's have Michael W. go against Octane from Apex Legends. Octane from Apex. What a pull. Wow. How about you, James? I'm Listen, the fact I'm, I can't even do this battle now. Okay, I'm going to have to try. That's a, an amazing pull. Octane, one of my favorite characters from Apex Legends. Now, if you don't know at home, he's a character. He fights in the Apex Games, a Battle Royale-style team event. He has metal legs because he wasn't able to run fast enough, so he cut off his legs and had metal legs grafted onto his body to allow him, because he's all about speed. And he uses a, a drug, a green needles he just carries around with him to enhance his speed and allows him to uh, rapidly heal on the battlefront. Michael W., you are in trouble. The only way Michael W. gets this is if we're in the Apex Games and unfortunately, Octane's other two uh, teammates disconnected before they had a chance to land. That happens sometimes. They both land next to the same chest, but Michael W. dropped a little bit better and he finds, what does he find? A Peacemaker shotgun and Octane has no weapon. He gets him double taps. That would would be an EVA 8. My point is, he hits him twice with the Peacemaker shotgun, knocks him out, and gives him the finale finisher, a kick to the face or something, and Octane, oh, he doesn't even get to do that because he's the only one left on his team, so he just turns into a box at the end from getting knocked down. That's how Apex Legends works. Y'all should play that game. It's great. The point I'm trying to make is, good job, Michael W., you were a little faster than Octane today. 
Unbelievable! Congratulations, Michael W. I had to, I had to, I had to pull this out. I that had to. One. I know it's on my list to start playing Apex Legends. Uh, I haven't, but I really like the characters such game. as Octane. All right, now remember, you two can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to Patreon.com/slash Who Would Win Show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now back to the turning point, Crystal. You've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? So I love What If, by the way. I agree. One of the one a really good Marvel show. I think the point that I really took away from that is that Killmonger in any incarnation turns into the guy who wants to destroy everything. For me, these two combatants are still really tied. Killmonger's in the suit now. I do agree that I think when Killmonger's in the suit, he's not whipping out his you know assault rifles or anything, but I don't think he needs it. Or welcome to try to change my mind at point number three if you think he needs a gun in the Black Panther suit. We'll see how that goes. But right now, I see them as being very evenly matched. I would give Killmonger a little bit of an edge just because he is a killer. And I know that Ahsoka is still a Jedi. So I am very curious for you guys to tell me how each of these characters is going to win now, especially for Ahsoka. Because I can see Killmonger just snapping her neck and calling it a day. How is Ahsoka going to take down this guy who literally, I mean, doesn't matter what timeline he's in, he's here to destroy. So that's where I'm at. Interesting, interesting. Just keep in mind, Ahsoka is no longer a Jedi. Mm -hmm. Remember, she's out of the, or she took herself out of the order, mm -hmm. and now she's her own kind of like Ronin, if you will. Yeah, like that—that yeah. that samurai who serves no master, so to speak. That's why she. Another reason why she's so cool, by the way. All right. So again, it sounds like if I read between the lines, I'm still ahead. Thank you, Crystal Storm. All right, Ray. It all comes down to this. I wonder <laughs> what direction you're going in. Go ahead and hit us with your point number three. Let's talk about the super suit because his vibranium suit is basically indestructible to anything that Ahsoka Tano can throw at him. Is she going to try to hit him with a lightsaber a bunch of times? Because, you know, in her world, a lightsaber works against basically anyone. When that, when that lightsaber hits the vibranium suit, what's going to happen, Crystal Storm? It's going to have its energy absorbed into the suit. It's not going to do any damage whatsoever, and he's going to blast that energy back out at her. And a lightsaber makes a lot of energy. Look, we've seen it contain, like, huge, like, explosive blasts before, and then repropel it back out again, right? The thing to keep in mind is, as great as we saw the Black Panther suit uh, in the original Black Panther in the Civil War version, is after Killmonger became the king of Wakanda, he had Shuri against her desire, he had her improve the suit. So he has the best version of the suit that we've seen until Shuri eventually took it on herself in a later movie and improved it even further. Absolute insanity. And this is made of vibranium, which, you know, in the comics is adamantium. In the MCU, it's vibranium. In any case, this is basically an indestructible metal that absorbs energy and then shoots it back out again. So if Ahsoka Tano tries that force push, as I said before, and she will, she uses it in like every single battle. She's going to shove, it's going to create a big pile of kinetic energy with the force, and it's going to hit it, and he's not going to move at all because his suit, much like, you know, a, a, a signpost in the wind, it's going to go around him, it's going to be deflected off of him, and it's going to be absorbed by him, where he can then turn and blast it back at her. There's no reason she's going to think he's a force user. So these attacks, for somebody like Ahsoka Tano, again, who gets caught off guard all the time by uh, not realizing things are going to happen, or uh, misunderstanding people's character... 
She's going to get absolutely blown away by this. She's going to get knocked backwards with a lot of force. And she's going to try for the lightsaber. She's going to rush in. She's going to hit like five times on his shoulders or something with the lightsaber, his body. And he's going to absorb every single one of those blasts. I can't think of a single thing that uh, Ahsoka Tana is going to possibly do against the Black Panther suit that's going to work. Look, he tanked nearly every vibranium and blaster weapon in Wakanda during that final fight in Black Panther. He's fighting against vibranium weapons, not just pukey lasers and lightsabers, real vibranium, and it's doing nothing to him. And let's talk about what happened when Black Panther was wearing a lesser version of the suit, remember? Black Panther was crashed into by a giant rhino, massive concussive force, and he just walked it off. Uh, Ulysses Claw vaporized, used his blast and vaporized a vibranium bulletproof car in that movie, and Black Panther's armor tanked the blast, no problem whatsoever. That's a thing that destroyed a vibranium car. It's bulletproof. It's lightsaber-proof. Let's keep it real. And not only that, offensively, if we, do, if we don't think he's going to use those weapons, the assault rifle and what have you, which he could if he needed to, he has claws on his hands and feet that are made of vibranium. She's not, to my knowledge, wearing an armor that can withstand vibranium. So if the two of them are just going to stand there and trade shots with each other... She is dropping in about 2.5 seconds because he can take everything she can do and she can take virtually nothing that he can do. And that's the ultimate deciding factor in this battle. And that's my point number three. All right, Ray. Look, here's the deal. It is clear that you don't get how Vibranium works. And I, and I don't hold that against you because many people don't. Let me break this down for you. The way Vibranium works, it's not an indestructible indestructible material. It's not like adamantium at all. In, in Marvel Comics, the, the Captain America shield is a mix of Vibranium with adamantium. And it's so hard to put it together. People like don't know how to really replicate that again. In the MCU, Vibranium, what it does is it disperses kinetic energy. So we saw that scene of Black Panther where Shuri shoots the Black Panther their costume and the bullets just drop to the ground because the kinetic energy hits gets absorbed and then drops to the ground or dispersed i should say so a force push is not something that's going to be absorbed where he can then shoot it back that's not what vibranium does it's never done that especially mcu on top of that you know a lightsaber is not kinetic energy it's heat energy and this is actually something really important so i i you know uh really ticked off my wife and instead of spending the day with the family i said hey let me research find some scientists who talk about light sabers and vibranium. And I found one. There's a scientist, and this is during a debate on Twitter, of all places, with Mark Hamill, Chris, what's his name, who plays uh, Captain America in the MCU, and they're going back, could a lightsaber destroy you know, Captain America's shield because it's vibranium and vice versa? And Phil Plate, that's his name, said, here's the deal. Vibranium absorbs impact energy, kinetic energy. A lightsaber uses heat, so it should slice through it. Now, I'm, saying, I'm not saying it's going to slice through it easily, but just like at the end of Black Panther, where he stabs Killmonger in the gut with whatever it was he did that sharp object, this is something that can cut through vibranium if he hasn't, she has enough time to do it. Could she use the force to hold him in place and put it through? Or if it's enough cuts or whatever, or th thrusts, what I should say, yes, this can absolutely cut through vibranium. Is it going to be an easy slice? No. But that she is skilled enough and has fought against Beskar from Star Wars, which can actually take on and is proof against a lightsaber to a degree because it still heats up and can get cut through eventually. This will cut through vibranium. A scientist said it and settled 
settled the debate between Mark Hamill and Chris, what's his name, who played Captain America. Okay, now that I've settled that, let me get to my point number three. And for my point number three, let's go ahead and just talk about the big fights and the big wins for Ahsoka. So when we look at this fight, you need to recognize a very significant stat that is super relevant to this battle. Actually, a couple of stats. Number one, we're not talking about teenage Ahsoka Tano anymore. We're talking about adult Ahsoka Tano, who's not only a veteran of all these Clone Wars, the, the Empire, and what have you, but also has been continuing down her own path, not only survived, but is now in a complete badass. She has never died. Was she knocked out when she was 14, 15, 16? Yeah, she was brand new to battle, but she still survived it, and now she's fine. Let's compare that to Killmonger. This is really interesting. In his first movie, let me see how... Oh, he died. Oh, that's right. He died in his first movie. Of course, he's taking on Black Panther. That's some tough competition, but he died. He's not coming back, which, by the way, sucks. I'd love to see Killmonger back in the MCU. So now Ahsoka, again, she's been training since she was three. She rose to the rank of commander with the great army of the Republic by the time she was 16. By the time she's 17, she leaves the Jedi Order. She forges her own path. She takes up her fights to another level. So who knows just how powerful she is by the time we see her again, especially in the live action series. Here's a hint. It's going to be insanely powerful. Look, we can assume that in the upcoming series, she's fought, battled, overcome way more powerful opponents from her days in the Clone Wars or even Star Wars Rebels. So who has she fought and being that we've seen so far? At 14, she took out one of the greatest bounty hunters in the galaxy, Cad Bane. This is someone who's not too different from Killmonger. Does he have a vibranium suit? No, because all these crazy advanced weapons and he's really good at taking out people with surprise and strategy. This is the same Cad Bane that, com that completely took out Anakin Skywalker. That's right. He took out Anakin Skywalker and she beat him when she was 14. She's taken on General Grievous, Asajj Ventress, Count Dooku, and even Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker at the same time. Remember, that was a training session, but they were really coming at her with lightsabers and she's more than holding her own against Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker. She's fought, beat, and then trapped Darth Maul when he was possibly at the peak of his power and fighting ability during season seven of the, season seven of the Clone Wars. This was crazy. This is when he was leading Mandalore, you know, the planet with all Mandalorians, what have you, and he was a his peak, he was surviving, he was about to like do whatever he was going to do, and she had to take him on. She was 17, took on Darth Maul and beat him and then captured him, which is crazy. It's one thing to kill someone, but then she wanted to capture him to bring him back to Anakin Skywalker so she can be interrogated. Of course, that didn't happen. That's all the good things. Listen, all this was done between the ages of 14 to 17, but in Star Wars Rebels, where she's now a bit more of an adult, she fought Darth Vader to a draw, gave him the second worst injury we've ever seen, where she cut up part of his mask, revealing his face, and he was all kind of messed up physically. That's crazy. That's what she did to Darth Vader. Now, you can't get much of a better opponent than that in the Star Wars universe, or can we? Actually, we can. This happened during an episode of Star Wars Rebels. So long story short, Ahsoka is battling Darth Vader in a Sith temple. She breaks apart the floor they're fighting on where it looks like she may have been killed. Turns out that Ezra, the hero of Star Wars you know, Rebels, saved her by pulling her through a time portal in a weird pocket dimension between dimensions that exist. This is a weird thing in Star Wars. By the way, on a side note, this is how the sequels might be retconned and taken out of Star Wars continuity. So in this pocket dimension, the moment she's saved... Emperor Palpatine appears in one of the portals and starts attacking her in the crazy ways he does. Force lightning, Jedi, you know, fourth, the whole thing. Ahsoka tells Ezra to run and then takes on Palpatine's attacks and even saves Ezra from them. And then as she's doing that, she pushes back uh, Palpatine and then, you know, she's able to kind of walk off and make her escape back to the current time. You know, after he does, I mean, this is just a crazy thing to take on Emperor Palpatine in a pocket dimension with time travel and all this weird stuff. She wasn't expecting this. This is more than a random encounter. And this is after she just fought Darth Vader and gave him like this insane injury. This is crazy. Now, 
here's how this fight's going to go. They're going to face off. They're both equally aggressive. They're going to talk a little bit, and then they're just going to go at it. Now, what's going to happen is Killmonger is going to demonstrate his tactic, you know, his tactical ability. The, she's she's going to see very quickly this this vibranium suit, whatever it is, has some kind of certain similar conditions to Beskar, which she's faced before directly. She knows what to do. So as they're fighting close, he's getting good punches on her. She's hitting him back, and what she realizes, great, I got to get that kill shot in. She's going to use the force, not to push him back. At least she won't after a while. She'll realize this is a smart opponent. I've got to immobilize this person. Do I use rubble? Do I force rubble to come crashing down? Do I cause the building to fall down on him? Stuff she's done before. Do I just simply lift him in the air and hold him, and that way I can get a good strike on him? Yes, she has way more ways to defeat Killmonger from a distance or using that lightsaber. Killmonger, on the other hand, has to get in close to Ahsoka. An adult Ahsoka who's already taken on and kind of beaten Emperor Palpatine. Look, at the end of the day, I love Killmonger. Please bring him back into the MCU. I actually have a way they could do it. If anyone's interested, please give me a call. But the reality is, after surviving this war, 14 to 17, and now as an adult, having fought Darth Vader, all this battle experience, and she knows how to... Absolutely see what's going on with an opponent, create a strategy and figure out what to do, what she's done against super powerful opponents. She's going to get the win over Killmonger. That's my point number three. I have not heard somebody misrepresent anything so badly since somebody told me after one of my early wrestling matches that I had potential. Listen, the point I'm trying to make here is, I, James, you can't pull this one over on me. I've seen that Palpatine scene. He puts his hand out and shoots blue flame at her and her friend Ezra. And what do they do? Run! They just run from her. They just run. She tries to put a little bit of an offense up, realizes very quickly it's not going to work, and they run. And then this little, like, blue lasso thing grabs Ezra and pulls him, so she runs back in and cuts the lasso with her lightsaber, and then they both run away through portals. In the world of James Gavsey, that's defeating the Emperor. That's at, what are you, lies, lies, James. That's terrible. I, anybody who knows anything about that scene is mocking you right now openly, including myself. <laughs> now look, Ahsoka Tano uh, has a lot of draws. You're right, James. She has quote unquote held her own, AKA not beaten several people in the Star Wars universe. And she's beaten a lot of people who did not do anything in particular note in mainline nine Star Wars movies. And that's fantastic. She also, she spent her whole life, you know, fighting against people with the Force, fighting against Jedis and Sith and what have you. So the fact that she has some success mixed in against them, I would hope so, because if she didn't, she would be dead. And your other thing that you misrepresented, Vibranium absorbs energy and then blasts that energy back. You said Vibranium, Ray. Vibranium doesn't do that. The very first scene we're introduced to the Black Panther suit, he, he hits the Black Panther suit and it absorbs energy. He hits it a second time, it gets blown across the room. So yes, it does do that. Also, Black Panther gets hit by a bunch of stuff and it's glowing purple in the final battle uh, before he fights Killmonger, jumps in the air over the shield wall, punches the ground, and launches third soldiers through the air. Killmonger absorbs the energy in his suit from the spears of the Dora Milaje and then blasts them all out. What do you possibly mean it doesn't absorb and then redistribute energy outwards? That's the one thing it does do. This is outrageous. At the end of the day, Crystal Storm, these, these false statements should take James out of the running by themselves. It's taken me two minutes to refute the nonsense that he had. Here's the deal, Crystal Storm. If they're standing, if they're going toe-to-toe, -to -toe, and they're fighting, and they're really going for it, the Black Panther suit with the, the herb uh, treatment gives Killmonger the edge because she has no defense to Vibranium. But of course, his suit has a defense against any attack that she has. That in itself should be enough. I will leave you to your decision. 
I'm just worried that the the Diet Mountain Dew Ray had is having a negative effect. I don't know. I didn't hear one breath that Ray took during that whole rebuttal. So I think he blinked. That's crazy. You, you said, made him so mad I mean, he didn't even blink. That was, I don't often have my anger impulse hit this deeply by James Gabsey. He's like but how many missed mis- statements in a row do I need to hear before I lose my mind on this show? <laughs> Jedi mind trick. All right, Crystal. Wow. You've heard three points from both Ray and myself. It's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us a story if you will. And reveal who you think wins this battle between Ahsoka and Killmonger. Thank you so much for letting me judge this battle because these two are just a whole lot of angry, angry fun. Okay, so look, here's where I'm at. So (laughs) here's what I buy. I buy the force push a lot. I think Ray made a really strong case for that at some point Ahsoka's going to use that force push. We all know that the Black Panther suit absorbs energy. We know that it does that. We've seen it do it. We know that it's going to do that. We know that it's probably going to blast her back. But we've seen Ahsoka tank those types of hits. Like James said in point number two, you can knock her through a wall. She's good to go. She gets back up because she's a little badass. I could never do that. I would cry. I think they are both well evenly matched as martial artists and combatants. I think this is going to be a fast, vicious fight with a lot of crap talking in between. And I really want someone to write this crossover now so we could all enjoy it. They're going to have a vicious back and forth fight. There's going to be a whole lot of smack talking involved. And then this really comes down to whether or not I'm buying the argument that a lightsaber is heat energy or whether a lightsaber is kinetic energy. I believe that a lightsaber is heat energy, which means I believe that this lightsaber has a pretty good possibility of cutting through this suit. Now, do I think it could cut through the suit before Killmonger kills Ahsoka? That's the thing. The way that we have seen Ahsoka move and fight, I think it can. So uh, I'm- Crystal Storm, really quick, just just so you know, heat energy is thermal energy, which is a form of kinetic energy. It's I not a form. I know what I'm saying here, Ray. I, I just you. want to make I sure know you know I'm what saying. you're saying when you're saying, saying it. Here, I'll, I'll send you the research if you want, Crystal. Heat energy is kinetic energy. I'm gonna say okay. that I. So if you say yeah. here on the show that I'm heat energy it. is not kinetic energy, the scientists are gonna get very mad at you. I can't wait. Let them. Okay. All right, sorry. Let them. Go ahead then. Yeah. I tried Let to help them. you. I, I know you did. I think the lightsaber can cut through the. I think the lightsaber can cut through the vibranium suit. I think Ahsoka can beat Killmucker in this battle. And there you have it, Crystal the Storm, listening mm-hmm. to all the facts, listening to all of the research, the scientific basis of both vibranium and lightsabers. I don't know how and coming, scientific we're getting with fictional stuff here, but let's let's just say that, you know. It's 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 something yeah. online. It's from the internet. <laughs> and it's from the internet, you know it's right. It's Crystal be. Storm it's the internet. comes up with a great decision. I personally believe listen, as much as I love Killmonger, I actually think the comic book version had a better chance against Ahsoka, even though the MCU version of Killmonger is fantastic. He did die at the end because he's kind of got that weird purpose. All I'm trying to say is, Crystal, holy cow, do I ever agree with your decision? I am super <laughs> happy. This is fantastic. The fans will celebrate your name. I'm throughout no, history. I can't wait to see the Twitter debate. That's all I'm going to say. Never mind on Facebook. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. Canis. Can't wait. You're also here. I know, Ray. Hyped up I on know. Mountain Dew. It's okay, Ray. Tell the Legion of Audience just, how you feel right breathe. now. Just breathe. Take a breath first. I don't want you to pass out. 
Heat energy is another name for thermal energy. Kinetic mm -hmm. energy is the energy of a moving object. Mm -hmm. Therefore, as thermal energy comes mm -hmm. from moving particles, mm -hmm. it is a form of kinetic energy, mm -hmm. except not in the world of Crystal Storm, mm -hmm. who said, I broke this down scientifically and came to I didn't the say that. wrong conclusion. I didn't say conclusion. I broke it down scientifically. I you said, I do not think heat energy is kinetic energy, so it would get through. That is, how many lies mm -hmm. does James need to tell on this show mm -hmm. that I need to refute? I actually fact check the things I say. James Gavsey comes in here with nonsense. And if I don't spend all my time refuting it, it wins battles. Crystal Storm, shame on you. So listen, Ray, here's Ray. the thing. Thermal energy comes from moving particles, right? So here's the thing. Is it the moving particles that vibranium is stopping? If that's the case, sure. But we're talking about the byproduct of the moving product of the moving particles, which is the thermal or heat energy. We're not talking and about the yes, primary thing. And that's kinetic energy. It's kinetic energy. No, heat, heat and thermal energy is a byproduct of kinetic energy. Am I losing it's, my mind right yes, now? If You're I, just if I punch wrong someone, about this. If I punch someone in the face, the black eye is a result of the punch to the face. It is not something, it is not the punch. The black eye is not the punch to the face. It is a result, <laughs> a product of the punch to the face, much like thermal or kinet, or thermal energy the, is I a product like of kinetic energy. I would, would think would say that like Listen, this Black Panther suit couldn't be cut through at all at any point, and we know that that's not true. Thank you. So I'm just saying that the magic space sword beats the magic vibranium armor. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, with all that being said, Crystal the Storm, yet again, coming up with a great decision, using your storytelling ability, mind you, to create Can't this wait. fascinating Can't narrative. Wait for the nerds to lose their minds. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be a four-day scientific debate. I can't wait. <laughs> I love it. All right, listen, Crystal, uh, please come back, despite what Ray is saying right now and texting me, please come back to the show whenever no. you want. The whole I production team what, loves it when you're here. I even vote for him. I don't understand what his problem is. I mean, we don't talk about that, but the point <laughs> is, we love it when you're on the show. In the meantime, tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you online. Please find me. Don't at me on Twitter about, you know, the science of the stuff. Okay, don't do that. But you can at the Who Would Win show and you can tell them about how much that Crystal was right. Hashtag Crystal was right. Hashtag Ahsoka is taller than an Oompa Loompa. Hashtag do not listen to anything Ray says wow. in this episode, except for the fact that Michael B. Jordan is a very beautiful man. And Killmonger is actually pretty awesome and one of the best MCU villains. But I think it was James that said that, not even Ray. So whatever. Uh, so go there to talesoftheforgotten.com <laughs> to check out all of the audio dramas that I am creating and producing. And listen, maybe one day we'll do an audio drama where Ahsoka and Killmonger fight and we'll let Ray voice Killmonger so he can like lose again i'm sorry get up <laughs> i'm done i'm leaving goodbye goodbye <laughs> all right there you have it race to canis start breathing tell the legion of audience where they can find you i feel like i'm losing my mind in this episode because i keep hearing falsehood after falsehood after misstatement after thing that didn't happen straight to my face repeatedly i have to spend all my time refuting it and then the one thing I just assumed we all knew about the way kinetic energy works with lightsabers, I'm told at the end, oh no, oh no, the Earth is flat, Ray, even though you've been to space and you've seen it from the moon. The point I'm trying to make in all of this is you people at home, this is maybe the worst hashtag Ray was robbed in the history of the Who Would Win show. I don't know what more needs to be said on an episode when a judge just plain doesn't want to listen to you. What happens when Crystal Storm takes off the producer's cap from her magical audio drama series and puts on the dunce, I mean, judge's cap wow. for a Who Would Win show? 
She loses her mind. You've heard of people wearing a gas mask. She wears a reverse gas mask to inhale all the infinite mind fog she possibly can during a battle. You know what happened. You know that's outrageous. You need to let wow. the show know your distaste for this decision because it is flat out wrong. You can find me on threads <laughs> at Almighty Ray 316. Wait, is it infinite mass fog, like the infinite mass punch? Or is it the intoxicating mind fog, Race to Canis? I'm so angry, I don't even know the difference anymore. <sighs> race to Canis, Race to wow. Canis. I know, it's, uh, I have it's a an thing. Immunity. It's a thing. I do, I have an immunity. It's made up of kinetic energy. <laughs> it is, which is also, by the way, according to some, uh, incorrectly stated as thermal energy. Mm. Or heat energy, but they're, uh, they'd be wrong. Listen, here's whatever. the deal. You can take a hammer, right? Fun fact. Mm -hmm. You can take a hammer on paper or some mm -hmm. type of like kindling and mm -hmm. hit it hard enough to cause a fire. The fire is a byproduct. The heat is a byproduct of the force, the, the, the hammering, the kinetic energy. They're not the same thing. Thusly, why I agree with Crystal Storm. All right, enough science. That's Canadian schooling for you right there. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup to the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Race Decanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. What's up, everyone? Brian here, host of the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? What are Tony Stark's last words to Thanos in Avengers Endgame? And where does Ron Burgundy say he is when he calls the news station sobbing from a phone booth? I've covered The Office, Harry Potter, Marvel, Will Ferrell movies, Lord of the Rings, and more, with even more on the way. So play along to the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and stay tuned for more trivia! Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.